and welcome to The Link Podcast, the industry's link to learn, innovate news and knowledge in global supply chain intelligence, hosted by food logistics and supply and demand chain executive. We cover everything from transportation and warehousing trends and new technologies to food safety and sustainability impacting today's supply chains. I'm Brielle Jekyll, the Associate Editor, and we have an extra sustainability episode this month with Andy Herrig, who is the VP of Trade, Tax, and Sustainability and Policy Development at FMI. We get into the dirty aspect of food waste and its effect on sustainability in the supply chain and what we can do to help. So let's link into that conversation now. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me again today. I am here with Andy Herrig, who is the Vice President of Tax, Trade, Sustainability, and Policy Development at FMI. Hi, Andy. Thank you so much for coming on with me today. Well, thank you very much for having me. I hope I didn't butcher your your last name and your job title. 100% correct. Nope, 100% correct. Great. So I'm really excited to talk about uh, food waste and climate change today on the podcast. And I know that FMI is a part of the AG Climate Alliance. Do you think that you could just explain a little bit about that for me? Absolutely. So the uh, Food and Agriculture Climate Alliance, which we shorthand as FACA, um, was put together for really the entire food supply chain to engage proactively uh, in addressing the policy aspects surrounding climate change. And so you have um, a, a broad coalition that includes um, agricultural groups like the Farm Bureau and the Farmers Union, NGOs like the Environmental Defense Fund and the Nature, Nature Conservancy, and then also groups like FMI that are there to represent the consumer voice, um, and the uh, National Association of State Departments of Agriculture, uh, forestry groups, the, the really the broad spectrum of agriculture in the United States is represented. And uh, we wanted to put together an effort to really, again, proactively address agriculture's uh, impact on climate change that did so in a way that used market-based mechanisms and really addressed the impact of it on uh, rural communities and these agriculture communities that are gonna probably feel the biggest brunt of climate change going forward and um, really want to engage and make sure that they're having their voice heard. So. Um, the recommendations we put out uh, cover uh, a lot of ground. There's a broad spectrum. There's a call for instance, a um, carbon sequestration tax credit for agriculture, uh, for a climate bank, which the Biden administration is now considering. But um, FMI also was um, there in part to represent the consumer voice. And so we really focused on um, food waste and engaging on uh, those issues up and down the entire supply chain. So again, it covers a lot of different areas. Um, it's a very comprehensive proposal. And I think we're already starting to see some of those ideas get turned into legislation. So it's, it's a very exciting group. Oh, that's great. I think it's a really exciting time for sustainability in general, especially after the summit last week. It's really exciting to see what's going forward. Um, but I wanted to ask you, what are the effects, the real effects from an abundance of food waste? Because we talk about food waste a lot and, you know, I always try to compost, but then, you know, there's a lot of plastics and stuff involved with, um, um, sorry, landfills. And I guess it's, it's not as clear why food waste is such an issue. Yeah, it's, it's a really unique issue for um, the developed world. So if you look at less developed countries, say in Africa or South America, 
their food waste issues tend to be around bringing product to market. So they lose a lot in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, in developed countries like the European Union uh, nations, the United States, it's really what you just referenced, which is an abundance of food. We have a lot and um, along the, the entire supply chain, um, some of it drops out. And, and that is, if you think about it, um, you know, the, the phrase gets used a little bit um, too much maybe, but it's sort of a perfect storm for industry. So there are big economic issues associated with it. Um, you know, all the resources that go into it that people spend money on, um, right. all are wasted if food ends up in landfill. But you also have an environmental impact, um, all the water, all the energy, all the greenhouse gas emissions that are a result of growing food, manufacturing food, transporting it, and selling it. Those all go to waste if it doesn't go to feed people. And then finally, you have um, a real issue with hunger and feeding people in the United States. So I think um, when we look at the issue as as a whole and having an impact, um, not just on climate change, not just on sustainability, but across the board, food waste really checks all the boxes. And it's really an incredibly important issue that needs to be addressed as quickly as possible and as aggressively as possible um, to, to help address all three of those different sectors. So it's really less about me buying those bananas and letting them go to waste and having to throw them out and more about making sure that the food is getting to the right sources and not going to waste economically. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Um, I would say if you look at the way food breaks, food waste breaks down along the supply chain, um, about 37% of it um, occurs in the home. So, and, and that's, I think if you think about it, you know, lots of times maybe you'll have people over for a dinner party and you just make too much food. And, you know, the next day you think, oh, it was great originally, but I, I'm not really in the mood for leftovers. And eventually that ends up going to the trash. Um, maybe you, you start the week, you know, very uh, hopeful that you're going to cook every night and really determined to eat healthy. And then, you know, kind of life and work gets in the way and you, you go out to dinner or you have a late meeting and you feel less like cooking. And at the end of the week, all those groceries you bought to, to kind of eat healthy are kind of sitting there and they, they look a little bit less fresh. And so you say, I'm going to throw them away and start over. So yeah. a lot of it occurs on the home, but the rest of it occurs further up the supply chain. So if you look at sort of consumer facing businesses, food retail, which FMI represents and restaurants are about uh, 28% of the, the total food waste, manufacturing about 14% and uh, farms represent about 20% total of, of the food loss in the United States. So it's really important that each of those sectors addresses their issues, which are unique to each sector, but it's also important that the whole supply chain, uh, farm to fork, addresses the issue broadly and finds partnerships and ways to work together to address the issue. So what steps are being done to stop this or to help this situation? Sure. So I think if you look at um, particularly the retail sector and what happens in stores, um, there's a certain amount of food waste that is um, inevitable. Right, there's certain amounts of, of products that are not going to sell. Um, there are scraps and trimmings that need to be dealt with. And so, one of the ways we're doing this is, is quite frankly, um, with fresh, wholesome product, is doing a better job with our food donation. We're responding more quickly. We're really addressing those issues um, and pushing forward to make sure that we can get product that, again, is fresh, that's wholesome, that's healthy to food banks to help feed people. So, if you look like over the last decade, the, the composition of donations has really changed. You have a lot more, you know, fresh dairy, fresh meat, fresh po- produce going into those donation chains. 
We're also looking again for things like food scraps. Um, how can they be used in animal feed? Um, how can they be used for um, food to energy? Um, a number of FMI member companies at the retail level have um, invested in um, what are called anaerobic digesters, which essentially take food scraps and food um, products, um, break it down, and as the breakdown occurs, gases are released and it harnesses those gases to create energy. So that's one kind of approach. On the other side, on, on sort of coming into the store, you see a lot more um, uh, computer and um, uh, algorithm-driven um, ordering. So we're doing a better job of handling lots of different um, kinds of data to make sure our orders are more accurate and really reflect what's coming into the store. Because you know, over-ordering, just like over-buying at home, is a problem for retail stores. Sometimes they think, oh, you know, it's, it's the Super Bowl, we're going to sell avocados like crazy, and they end up overshooting their mark, and then they have to figure out what they're going to do with it. So this analytics uh, are really helping us make more accurate um, predictions, do a better job of ordering that really reflects not just sort of big picture stuff, but really the um, community level demand for product. It's, it's really quite impressive. And then I also think we're doing a better job of, of transporting product, of making sure, for instance, you know, um, if a, uh, a cold storage truck, um, you know, if the, uh, the temperature goes up a couple degrees and goes above the, the permitted levels, that entire shipment can, it has to essentially be landfilled because it does that. So we have better controls of that more accurate readings, there's less likely to have that kind of big level waste. So um, it's really exciting to, to see what's going on. I think we've made great progress, but I would also argue, I think we're just getting started in what we can do and what we will do. Mm -hmm. Now, how are you able to encourage restaurants at the local level to really ad adopt that analytics? Because I know I worked at a restaurant for years um, and a few years ago, we decided to open for the winter for the first time because I, I live in a shore town mm -hmm. and we normally close for the winter. So that first year we were running out of food and over ordering constantly because we just didn't know what the crowd would be like. So how can you encourage the, those people to really use these tools or how can you get them these tools? It's, it's really challenging, especially at the restaurant level, because um, if you think about a lot of the waste there, um, it has to do with um, the portion size that's presented to um, the, the consumer um, and, and what they eat versus what may go back to the kitchen. Um, that food really can't be donated um, once it's you know, served to someone. Um, and then how do they order and how do they really do good predictive models? Um, there are lots of um, technology companies and really small startups that are doing a great job helping address those ordering issues and essentially taking what we're doing on the food retail side at the supermarket and grocery store and um, scaling it down at the, the restaurant level. Um, it's essentially, you know, there are apps that you can buy. Um, a lot of these um, companies have sort of consulting mechanisms where people can bring them in and start doing that because that really is the most challenging. You might not know uh, week to week exactly what your uh, customer loads are gonna look like exactly what you're gonna do uh, in terms of the menu and the ordering. So this really helps, again, provide a lot of uh, analysis and a lot of data that then these companies can turn around and use. And I think that's what I was talking about, like we're just getting started. What's exciting about this is there are so many players entering this field who are bringing just incredible energy, incredible ideas to it. 
that, um, you know, the, the sort of old issue where, um, you know, only big guys can address these issues because only they can afford technology. That's really kind of um, being pushed aside. And now even smaller operators can step in and get great analysis, great data, um, great help from startups and entrepreneurs um, in, in a way that I think, again, five years ago might have been cost prohibitive. Right. You, you're, you're touching on something that I've been thinking about a lot lately and why I think this is such an exciting time, because not only is there so much innovation in technology that can help sustainable initiatives, but it's now so much more accessible to everyone and the smaller guys where we're able to adopt this technology and all work towards a sustainable future. Absolutely. I think technology is proven to be, um, you know, the great leveler. And um, a lot of the smaller operators, too, are early adopters. You know, they sort of know they have to be nimble. They have to really be uh, thinking about how do they compete. And so um, it's exciting to see. Um, it's, again, both the opportunities they have, but their willingness to then seize those opportunities and uh, build it into their business model. So. So what do you think that the future holds in this segment for climate change in agriculture and for food waste? Well, you know, I think if you look big picture, there's going to be incredible demand going forward on the, the agricultural community to not only address climate change, but to feed more mouths. Um, so that is a um, going to be a huge um, kind of new stress on resources. And so we kind of view this as um, addressing food waste as the low hanging fruit. So, you know, the estimates are anywhere from 25 to about 35% of the food that is, is grown and manufactured ends up going to waste. It doesn't go to feed people. And so when we're talking about having to feed, you know, many millions more mouths, addressing what we're currently doing and making sure we're using every bit of our resources as effectively as possible, I think is a great place to start. It's kind of a no brainer. And it does represent low hanging fruit because again, you've got these new technology entrants, but some of the, the solutions are just, um, you know, sort of old fashioned common sense and really, you know, taking the time to step back and, and pay attention to what you're doing. So um, I, I think you're going to see big leaps and bounds over the next um, decade in this. Um, you know, the United States has a uh, commitment, uh, along with a number of other countries in the world, to reduce food waste in half by 2030. Um, FMI is certainly engaged in those efforts through our members to, to try to reach that level. Uh, and I'm very hopeful we're going to hit that mark and maybe even exceed it. Um, I think it's really exciting to see this happening. Um, and again, I think part of what makes this easy um, is that you have those sort of multi-facets to it. You have an economic facet to it. You have an environment and sustainability aspect to it. But you also have a hunger and feeding uh, people aspect to it. So um, it, it really kind of drives itself in a way that I think some other issues um, don't. Um, you know, it's it's... Sometimes it takes a little bit while to get those things rolling and to get buy-in. This one, I think, is fairly easy. And you see companies, um, when they really start to look at what they're doing, um, this is, this is a, a, a great first step to them to take to not only address food waste, but address their greenhouse gas issues and other kind of climate change-related impacts. That's so exciting to hear everything that you said and how you're meeting your goal probably early. That's, you know, it gives... Uh, gives me hope, I guess, that we can all really make a difference. I, I have a 
random off topic question because we have been, we just finished our unboxing the last mile episode and we focused on meal kits. Mm -hmm. And then we had a, a, a link live episode where we were talking about meal kits as well. And the number one thing that the experts were saying is that meal kits are helping with food with uh, food waste reduction. Do you agree with that? Is that really something that's like making a difference? And because it's growing in popularity, does it help as well? I, I think they can help, um, particularly at the consumer level, right? Because you have sort of pre-portioned um, options. Um, I think that's one of the things people really struggle with when they cook at home is sort of, you know, even if the recipe says use a pound of chicken, sometimes they think, well, you know, I'm going to need more because I've got, you know, more than four people. And I, I do think the meal kits help kind of give you a little bit of more insight into how to, how to do that. And you see, in fact, a lot of grocery stores offering their own meal kit options. Right. Or um, during uh, the COVID crisis, a lot of them partnered with restaurants to offer those restaurant options as meal kits as well. So there's lots of exciting changes there. But I, I, I am hopeful that can do that. Um, I do think if you look at the operational side, um, you know, they, the meal kits have the same issues that I think everyone has with ordering and, and, and anticipating um, what the order levels are going to be and what kind of inventories do you carry. Um, I think they've done a really good job over the past couple of years of addressing that. Um, but, uh, you know, again, you still have those, those kind of same things that need to be addressed where you just have to constantly be striving to get better and better, make sure that your data is more and more accurate and you're really uh, not over ordering and not using too much. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I was wondering. Well, that's all I have time for today, but thank you so much for such an informative um, interview. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be paying so much more attention to food waste and, you know, the, the climate alliance going forward. Like I said, it's an exciting time. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Tune in every Tuesday for our episodes of Link by Food Logistics and Supply and Demand Chain Executive. If you like what you hear, be sure to give us a thumbs up or a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Brielle for more of what's happening in the supply chain. And do not forget to hit subscribe on the Spotify, Apple, and Google Playlist apps so you never miss an episode. Mm -hmm.